Came here from school, graduated to the high life. Ball players, rap stars, addicted to the limelight. MDMA got you feeling like a champion. The city never sleeps, better slip you an ambient. Well, welcome, welcome to the Dirk Special, the RD41. Yours truly, Daryl Ray, along with the great Mike Heike, and of course, Jeff, the man totes, who should be fresh after a respite. He did not come to New York with us. We are fresh off of a February trip to New York and five of a possible six points taken by our little boys. They banked it, as the kids like to say. Home base was basically in the in the shadow of the majestic and important and reflective One World Trade Center. 1,776 feet above lower Manhattan is where it pierces the sky, known locally as Freedom Tower. And uh, Mike Heike, we spent all our time right there. And then just little offshoots. It was the easiest New York road trip maybe ever for this franchise. And they almost matched a perfect road trip that they had there, although it was broken up back in 99-2000. But they almost swept the entirety of the uh, metro area. I did like that. You kind of feel like you're a baseball writer or whatever in yeah, three three game series. Right. Um, it was nice. It really was to you know just fill up the closet on day one and and work out of that and have some fun. Um, that memorial is. You act like you you dropped in with a Louis Vuitton trunk or something. Well, you've you've hung seen everything up in the closet. You've seen me dress that Mark Bergevin basically <laughs> steals my look every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're still going to be wearing autumnal colors in spring, I believe. <laughs> but it was it was nice. We it was busy though. Like yeah. pe- people, including my family, will look at it and they'll be like, man. What a wonderful trip to spend that much time in New York. And you're like, yeah, this is how it goes, though. There was a 9.30 bus every morning, yep. except for the off day, which was Super Bowl Sunday. Right. So it's a little different than your normal, regular off day on the road. And uh, and we would take off to whatever arena, morning skate, and then you come back and you throw your notes together and do it, have a shower, turn around, and it was an early bus heading back there again. Yeah, the weird thing about the road is you get to second skate, so you're already behind. Right. So you get you don't get there any later. You just have an extra right. hour and a half before the skate. Right. Then when you get back to the hotel, it's one or one thirty, and like you said, you know, it, you're on the there's a four o'clock bus coming, and yeah. you got to be on that. So, but there was it a little- is work. It is work. Listen, people, we are digging in when we're away from home. Uh, but it did have the, the off day yep. leading up to Super Bowl. And for the first time, I visited the 9-11 Memorial, uh, the largest urban waterfalls in North America. And, man, the sound of water, huh? Just I just wandered around there for a while. Yeah. You stare down into that and think and reflect and remember, man, it is it is quite a spot. It, it's weird, though, because there are people now, I mean, we're almost 20 years removed, and there are people around there. I felt like going over and smacking them. Yeah. That are, you know, posing for the, in a, I, what I think are inappropriate pictures and yep. kind of stuff around there. There are a lot of signs around about what you should and kind of shouldn't do. Uh, and most people are are there. I think the same way I was, where it it, it grips you. And uh, I, I love the sound of water anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think humans love the sound of water. It does something for us. But uh, at the same time, I just I just wanted to grab a few people around there and go, no, nope not here go you can go across street and do that but don't do that right here it's interesting because i've been to the pearl harbor memorial it's similar there where you 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 really do feel like you're at a grave site right and then you go to the right you're going to the vietnam war memorial and same feeling Well, i've been there too in washington i mean people aren't joking around around that and and then what's interesting about this one is people will tell you stories about people they know and i don't i didn't know anyone who was there but i know people who 
like had close relatives who were there or, you know, either they perished or they, you know, had to deal with everything that was going on that day. And so then when you start thinking about that and you can actually visualize the process of what that day was like, you know, and the week after was like for some people, it really is like you, you feel it in your heart. Yeah, you do. You do. But you, uh, what I also took away was, man, time marches on. Yeah. When you look around there and you see there are cranes, they're building a performance center right there next to One World Trade Center. And and it's, I don't want to say it's it's uh, touristy-ish, but it is. Yeah. Which I don't like. No. But how you stop that, right? Well, the real estate there is pretty valuable. True. So True. What would you do on the off day? Uh I uh, went to see the play Chicago, which came. You out. went to New York to see Chicago. Yes, indeed. Way to go, Mike. Uh, we were gonna. Way to go. Uh, we were gonna go see uh, To Kill a Mockingbird with Ed Harris, uh, but we got there late and missed that one, so we just went to TKTS and got the cheapest ticket we could find. <laughs> wow. It was fun though. It was a, like we were fourth row. Nobody wanted to see Chicago on Super Bowl Sunday, so we saw the matinee of Chicago. <laughs> so Super Bowl Sunday, you went and saw a. 50-year-old Broadway hit that's been turned into a movie twice, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know the songs. So did you sing along? Yeah, I did. I, in fact, I think they they want me back as, you know, replacement for when they need the extra Billy Flynn. Did you dress a little special no, for I did feel anything? bad about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I could have worn the stuff. Did I, you wear a scarf? <laughs> I could have worn what I wore to the game. A monocle, perhaps? Or I could wear a sweatshirt, which is, a, those are my two options on the road. So I wore a sweatshirt. I haven't gone to a lot. I should go to more plays there. I'd probably enjoy them. And we used to stay right yeah. next door to that, uh, or at times we have, at that Westin down there. The uh, the last time I went to a show, I think I went with Mike Madonna. <laughs> there you go. We, I, we went to that puppet yeah. one. Avenue, Avenue Q. Yeah. yeah. Great show. Yeah, it was good. It was good, but it was, yeah, I don't know. Fit right in with Mike Madonna, yeah. <laughs> little puppets who are swearing at you. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'd like to say that I took a, a great big bite out of the uh, Big Apple, but again, three and four and Super Bowl watching party and what have you, uh, ultra soft robe in my room along with slippers. So my takeaway would be that I merely polished the apple. I did not <laughs> gnaw on it. The the Super Bowl itself, yes. Uh, just very quickly because I think Totes probably has something to say about it. the The game was was terrific. I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed it was the fantastic. Game. Uh, I we sat around as a sort of a broadcast group, which is an interesting way to watch any sporting event on television because it's basically knives and scalpels that are out. As it's it's actually interesting yeah. to to watch it because you have to fight your way through their critique of what they are actually doing from a nuts and bolts perspective for the broadcast, and instead of just waiting around for commercials or listening to the broadcasters or whatever it is that most people do, so. It was a little more technical, I you guess. You guys would be like the Tony Romos of broadcast analysis because you know exactly what is supposed to be going on, right? And so then when you watch it or you can predict what somebody's doing, like one of the reasons I think Tony Romo's good is because he was just playing. He was just on the field. Well, you were just in a truck, you know, the night before. Well, I wasn't. I mean, well, I, I was know, in but, the booth. But, but those guys. They were. And they, uh, yes, they they would sit there and they're like, why was he on that shot for that? Oh, that was a mess. That was a mistake. They just yeah. pick, kept picking out mistakes and what was that all about? Dot com's like, like oh, look at that it. graphic. Yeah. What are well, they the doing with this we box? Did. <laughs> we, we did unanimously uh, just annihilate the the little cartoon, or not little, yeah. the enormous cartoon graphics that were popping up in that. But uh, the commercials, I found the commercials extremely preachy. For the for the most part, yeah, the, there was a lot of preaching at me, well, a lot. That's our world. And man, they they waved some flag on their way in. Oh yeah, uh, on that broadcast. But the the she nailed that national anthem. She was doing that live too, was she not? Yeah, that was. You think it was taped? I, I thought it always was. I don't know. She seemed like she was. That seemed like it was coming out of her, not her 
mimicking it. I don't know. She killed it either way. Yeah. It was awesome. You think it was... I thought it always was. I don't know. Hmm. 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 I didn't like the cartoons either. What did you like? Um, the Post Malone Bud Light commercial. Oh, oh my God. The halftime show. You like that? I did. I thought it was awesome. Have you seen a lot of the the videos in that have come out of people sitting around with their eight-year-old son? Yeah. The the So the reactions <laughs> yeah, to the halftime show like, are just as good. How are they going to explain this to them? Yeah. But I enjoyed it. And yeah, it was energetic. The football game itself was really good, it which was, I liked. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all things, it was... It went by. But I have to say, there's few things worse for a casual fan than if they had to be there sitting with a group from a TV truck watching. Just brutal. I would exactly. To hear that commentary. Exactly. If you understand it, it's interesting. If you don't, it's like, hey, guys, you're like, I didn't, what, you had an issue with that? <laughs> like, really? And it's like, well, of course. I mean, they missed this and that was supposed to be this. And why would they even even think about doing that? And uh, where is this? That was, it was a lot of that. Well, where is it? Well, where is the? And you're like, well, why didn't they go back to? And you're just like, can we just watch this for a little while here? <laughs> Pour yourself another glass of wine and just chill. They probably had six by yeah, then. Right. <laughs> and, no, come on. <laughs> Three games of four nights. We're trying to concentrate. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Anyway, back to the hockey portion of things. Are you done on Super Bowl? You have anything yeah, else? Yeah. No, no, that's good. Anything else on the show Chicago? If you really want to break it down, they they had an I don't think anybody listening to this podcast no. they had an really amazing orchestra and the setup was the orchestra was on stage, the entire orchestra, and they just worked around it. And it was impressive. Like I mean, live theater is interesting because you have to make choices like that. How are we gonna present this? And like I said, we're in the fourth row and this orchestra is just blaring right at us and they were fantastic. So there's there's the the best part of the show. Does so, that make any sense? Well, here, I'll show you my, my chops a little bit here. So Roy Scheider was in the first version of it. Te technically, that was all that jazz, which was the life of Bob Fosse, who came up with the concept of the musical Chicago. So uh, <laughs> then it was the guy from Pretty Woman. Yes, now that is exactly the right one. With with beasting face, as my wife calls her. Beasting face? <laughs> Renee Zellweger. Oh, my God. You're offensive today. I am. Let's I'm move sorry. on to... Sorry, Renee. Let's move on to, <laughs> let's move on to hockey. My God. Uh, okay, so uh, thing, things are going swimmingly right now, but we've reached a point where the stars should just ask scorekeepers to start the game with a one on the board for their opponent that night. Have we not? It's... <laughs> I, I talk to Rick Bonus every day, as do you, and he has a lot of explanations. And I'm going like, I kind of buy this one a little bit in that he said, you know, a lot of times we're not playing poorly now. A lot of times they are. And the puck just goes in. But the thought well, process The game is, against the Islanders, I will go with playing poorly. They were playing but poorly. That, and, and, you know, honestly, against the Rangers, they, were, they didn't have a good start either. So, yeah, it, it's a yeah, concern. Yeah, you're right. You're it's right. a concern. But, like, his concept is – we don't play the score. We play our style. Right. And so if we feel we've gotten two or three scoring chances and we've hit a pipe or we just missed the net, then we're not really worried um, that, you know, we feel. So what is the stat right now? Where are we at? On we this? are. <laughs> we have gone eight consecutive, which is really hard to do, giving up the first goal. And then I believe 12 of 14, which is even harder, it seems like, to do, uh, where they give up the first goal. They're behind every single game. And then in a lot of these, they battle back and win. The, I think you dropped a hikatorial in at some point on that road trip, too, about it used to be you give up the first goal of the game and they are digging shovels into the ground to throw dirt on you. Correct. Immediately. Now... You and I both experienced that back in the day, as did many of our great podcast listening stars fans, where the game was over. Yeah. Like, and that's why teams played it as if whoever scores first is going to win this game. Right. And so it was tight and it was careful and it was conservative. And it, it's changed for the better, obviously. Yeah. Like, there's nothing worse than no lead changes in our sport. Now, 
the the fact that the Stars give up the first goal is not great. Obviously, they're able to overcome it. It'll catch up to you, you'd think, at some point. But it's not just that. The, recently, when they give up the first two goals of the game, they still don't lose. No. Because they, they just they just do not really get rattled. And they they never get that far away from the opponent. Like, they, they'll give up the first goal, but they don't very often give up the next goal. When they do give up the next goal, they certainly don't go down by three very often. Right. When they do, they've only been able to win one game right. when when they've been down by three, and that was that heroic comeback against the next opponent here, the Minnesota Wild at American Airlines Center, when they roared back and beat them. Was it a 6-3 final? Six, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Three. And, uh, but that's the only time they've been able to yeah. do it. And, and the Wild scored, I think, three on their own net, sort of, in yeah. that one. But the, the, every team's going to have that charge. You drop by, drop back by three, you're not going to win very often no. in this league. It's, this is a weird team. It really is. Um, one of the things that's interesting is that they also come back in third periods, you know, uh, and that obviously is if, if you but give it's up the, the same. It, it, it's the it's, same concept. It's the same thing. Like it, it, we, we talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, the fact that comebacks have to be categorized as coming back from behind by two or more right. goals. When you just you give them a goal, it's not great, but it's not, that's not insurmountable. I don't care if you're a light scoring team or one of the top scoring teams in the league. I mean, you go down by one, you get two power plays in a row, you score in the power play, and and you, it's a tie hockey game again. Yeah. I mean, you're not really, you know, shaking the earth with your big time comeback, even in third periods when you're down by one, because of the same thing. Teams cannot lock down a game, right? The way they used to be able to lock down a game, and the last game is is proof of that. The other way too, the Stars yeah. are up three to yeah. two, and and they're trying to hang on. And obviously, there's fatigue, mental and physical involved in it, and that. But back in the day, I mean, you would have just uglied that thing up and hooked and held your way probably to victory. Yeah, because the other side just couldn't get anything manufactured. The other side of that is, I think they really have faced a lot of adversity. You know, from the one, yeah, seven, oh yeah, one seven and one start to you know the coach to everything, and so then they they're just like. They, like they get down, they just shrug their shoulders, like, okay, yeah. bring it on. Yeah. You know, we've Which been through this I, before. And again, I think is a phenomenal uh, characteristic or trait to have for a team. I mean, my, my belief in this group, I don't care how much they score, they score enough, yeah. enough times. I wish they would score more. I wish it would be easier. But by, by having to kind of, you know, just scrape with your hands in the dirt in order to win. And do it over and over. And understand that's kind of who you are. And Jamie Ben talks that way all the time. Yeah, I like it when we're on the road like this where teams haven't seen us that much. So the questions are stuff that you know we've heard for three months. And they're fresh to them. And they're like, well, what is it about you guys? You know, you don't score that, that much and this and that. And they say, well, I, we understand who we are. Yeah. And this is how we win. And this is how we're going to win. They're not trying to be something else so that begs the question uh, or uh, the ask from me for you to finish this sentence and that is the dallas stars are blank when i uh, first pondered this i thought that line in jfk a, a puzzle wrapped in a conundrum wrapped in because they really are very confusing to me a lot of times but what I'm going to say is a work in progress, because if you look at the fact that they changed their coaching staff significantly, you've got your guy running defense. He's going to run the forwards now. And, you know, John Stevens run defense for, but he doesn't know these players. He's going to run defense now. Oh, we want to change the power play. We're going to bring up a guy from the minors who really hasn't worked with the, any of these players. So now we're two months into this and it's still a work in progress. And you're seeing whatever Rick Bonus likes to do with the forwards, whatever John Stevens likes to do with the defensemen, whatever Derek Laxdell likes to do with the power play. It changes because they're still finding what they like. And, you know, you look at the good teams and you look at teams like Washington or whatever or Boston who have had the same group and are doing the same things and you see how good they are with repetition. You saw what happened with St. Louis and I thought that would, was going to come to series. You know, once they get together as a group under Barube and now they know what they are, now they can be the best team in the NHL. But here, here let, me, let me toss this in okay. here. 
into your world. The world. Washington and St. Louis. So Washington elevated an assistant coach yep. when Barry Trotz left. St. Louis elevated an assistant coach when they fired their head man. And it worked. So then my question then becomes... To friggin' duh for Razor Boy on that one. No, nice work, Razor Boy. But my point is we're in the middle of that. Thank you. The, the, like, if, you're, if this is what they are now, what could they be mm. in March and April? Mm. And if you look mm. at them, I do think they're learning. Um, you know, people will give us a hard time well, me, uh, about Garyanov and, and uh, uh, hence not playing enough. And so then you go, well, they have this system. They believe in the defense. They're going to trust their veterans. You're going to see a lot of Cogliano and Como and Fox, and that's just who they are. Well, then you look at, you know, uh, Rope taking that penalty late in the game, mm. and you're like, well, this is why he's not out there because their thought is – Blake Como is not going to take that penalty or, you know, Andrew Cogliano is not going to take that penalty. And so this is the whole process of not only are these the coaches learning, but they're trying to teach Dennis Garyanov and Rope Hintz, hey, do these things right and you'll play more. And I do think they are playing more and they're putting them in situations where they're using them more at the end of a game with the one goal. And so that's part of the process of can this get to March and April and be even better? That was a high tutorial. I know, sorry. The, uh, the, the thing is, to me, watching it, it it's situational. It, more than any, it's, it's not a, you're a young guy, you're this guy, right. you're that guy. It's just situational. You need a goal? Believe me, Dennis Gurionov's going to play. Right. He's, he, he, he will play over Andrew Cogliano, because yeah. Andrew doesn't score right. a lot. Prevents goals, but doesn't score. Okay, well, if you're down by a goal or two goals then that's when you go to the riding crop on Hints and Garyanov and Sagan and Ben Radulov. and Radulov. Yeah. When you're ahead in a game, that's when you turn around and you go with Dickinson and Como and the individuals that, that you have trust in that are going to do the right thing without the puck or even maybe more importantly with the puck. Right. The little more de-risk in their game. And that's how you go about being a real tough team to play against. And that's what they are. If, if I was going to say the Dallas Stars are blank on February 6, 2020, I would put down that they are a difficult team to play against. Yeah. And for many reasons. They're, for me, they're one of the best, 10 best teams in the league right now. You can't yeah. argue against that. So if you look at a 31-team league, they're in the top 10. Right. Where in the top 10? I don't really know. Uh, they're deep. They're unflappable. They're fortunate that they have the goaltending duo that they have. There's, there's no question about that. Yeah. If, if they had erratic netminding or only one guy that that could play to the level of consistency that these two have, I think they'd have more difficulty embracing their defensive game. Yes, because they get. They get enough things mopped up in the game that they can just move on from it, move yeah. on from it. This mistake, that mistake, 18 shots in the first One of the period. reasons they're unflappable is because they can smooth out those rough Yes, passes. agreed, agreed. Yeah, I think their attitude, I think their belief system, and obviously their net minding yeah. allows them to be that way. They're, they're a threat to come out of the West. They are a serious threat to come out of the Western Conference. There, there's not that much in the Pacific Division that is that much. I mean, still a little ways to go and what yeah. have you. But you look at St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas. Really? That's it. It's the cream of the West yeah. right now. Then the the other the caveat in all this that I would toss in is maybe that they're a little bit inconsistent. Yeah. And they're not in they're not that inconsistent as as a team and as far as their wins and losses and what have you, it's more about, and I asked Rick about this the other morning, the, the idea that they get one area going or a lot of times four areas going and the fifth area is a mess. (laughs) And then the fifth area gets fixed. And one of those other four areas, it falls off the table a little bit. And maybe that's just the nature of things nowadays and not so much an indictment on on the stars. But 
I can't think of too many games where everything was going no. all at once. Like even a game like in New York against the Rangers, you're like, okay, okay, they scored a little bit and the power play was – and then you you go, and they were 0 for 3 on the penalty kill. <laughs> well, or you'll go, how about Jamie Benn has just an incredible two-goal game where you're like, whoa, that is magnificent. Joe Pavelski scores twice on the power play, goes, that's Joe Pavelski. And then Alexander Radulov scores two goals, and then you look down and go, oh, yeah, and he didn't have any in the previous 10 games. Uh, yeah, and Joe exactly. Pavelski's on a 12. But that game. goes back to the, the death portion of this thing. Yeah. I mean – a couple of years ago, this would be a death knell for yeah. the club if Tyler Sagan had gone 13 or 14 games without scoring a goal, yep. or Alexander Radulov wasn't scoring uh, with any kind of consistency because 50% of their offense were three guys. Yeah, and now you can have long stretches where the and they would like them to score a little more, right? But you can have long stretches where they don't, where they still score enough. Yeah. Whereas before they didn't do that. Yeah. And and I think the other interesting part of all that is when you see Corey Perry make a pass like that, you go, oh, that's Corey Perry. Or you see Joe Pavelski score on the power play, you're like, that's, that guy can do that. And he can still do that. So the hope is that as you go forward and possibly in the playoffs, those guys will be doing those things. I think they will. I think we'll go to break too here. We don't go to break on the podcast, but we will pause for a moment just to collect our thoughts because I thought we laid it all out there. Didn't we? I think so. Yeah, empty like, the entire. It, it was almost like Shakira and J Lo oh putting Hold everything whoa, out whoa. on the stage. Whoa, 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 whoa. Halftime show, huh? I'm Shakira, right? And you're J Lo. I think that's what we figured out, right? I don't. I don't think you're. I think you're more like Strahan or. Jay Glazer, that's me. Jay, Jay Glazer, no, you're not in that. You're not in good enough shape to be him. Terry Bradshaw, okay, yeah, Terry. You okay. don't make a lot of sense, but people find you fun, and uh, and yeah, the kind of little extra cloth in your outfits and. He does wear long jackets. He and I both prefer yes, the long you jacket. Do, don't you? You haven't got into that crop it up modern no. athlete look where the hiney hangs out. No. Long coat. It's almost like you're wearing tails. We're bringing it back. Me anyway. and Tom Selleck. Uh, after this, let, let's come back and, and talk about a guy who's probably got to get fit for tails and a tux. As if he doesn't have one. Because... He's going to take home another Rocket Richard trophy, I think. This keeps up. So we just finished. That was a great segue by me as well. We just finished talking about what the stars are. What they are not is a team that can mag manufacture goals w with relative ease. They're just not. When they do score goals, they they got they earn them, right? Yes, definitely. Like say Washington would be a club that scores with relative ease. Of course, the stars do not employ one Alexander Ovechkin. How about OV? Oh my gosh. How about him right now? I'm I'm a natural sports doubter. So when anybody brings up You're a Gre Debbie Downer. I am and a sports doubter. I am. Is that and what you so are? when people bring oh, up yeah, breaking than that. Breaking Gretzky's records, I'm like, yeah, forget about that. Like you're not gonna catch Wayne Gretzky. And then you look and go, he might catch Wayne Gretzky. That's amazing. Three hat tricks in his last six games. 14 goals in seven games. I mean, he's at 40 goals. Like, I I knew he, you know, had gone off here over the last couple of weeks. But then I looked and I'm like, he's at 40 again. That's that's 11 times now he's hit 40 goals in his career. It's only one guy that's done it more, and he's only done it more once. Right. And that's Wayne Gretzky. Yes. Yeah. A dozen of them. He's two goals shy of the 700 club that is exclusive. Yes. There are seven guys in that little uh, leather-bound unit, uh, and he's ageless. That's the thing. Like, 
I don't know what he does to keep himself that healthy. Well, he rededicated himself a couple years ago. And because he he had drifted. And was well, you see the video of the Stanley Cup celebration. Yeah. I'm like, how is he that? And it's gonna no, catch prior, up. Prior to that, like he he'd gone. He he does a bunch of running in sand and that in the summer to get himself or maintain shape. Maybe it's the age that he's at yeah. and understanding he has to do a little bit more. And some of it might have been his game just falling off. Some, but I mean, he scored forty in fifty two games as a 22-year-old. Right. And he just finished scoring his 40th in 53 games as a 34-year-old. So what this all brings in is that age-old debate about is he the best goal scorer of all time and blah, 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 which is difficult. Comparing across generations is imperfect. Right. It just, it is. And the biggest debate is always about him and Gretz and Brett Hall and because it, it, they're the they're the most contiguous eras, right? You right. have kind of that era, and then you have his era, right? And and this now, uh, and unfortunately, I was a goaltender of the '80s and early '90s, so I'm the guy that gets slammed about being awful at my craft compared to today's goaltenders. And I would argue that. First off, I would I would say that's true. Right. T- today's goaltenders are so much better than than what we were back then. But at the same time, the the uh, the sticks are different, and the the approach to things is different. And they the modern guy doesn't have to fight through anywhere near as much mugging and holding and hooking as Mario and and uh, Wayne and that generation had to yeah i agree with you it's just impossible it is like you you look at babe ruth you know and then say oh yeah let's compare him to these uh you know to mark mcguire or, or you know barry bonds and it's just impossible i mean the way that the game has changed and it's the same with hockey uh, you know on the positive side for ovechkin is this is a really fast game and he has fast teammates and they help feed him the puck quite a bit and so you know like you said, when you're going against the old style of coaching, even, you know, they were focused on shutting down certain things. And this is a chaotic game where opportunities are out there if you can take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's like I, I always side with Gretzky over Bobby Orr. But but how do you even make that comparison? How do you say one's better, more impactful than the other? I've, I've said this before, just to interject quickly that, yeah. that there there are guys at each position at, at forward at defense and in goal yeah. that just change the thing yep in in they they were all kind of in my time i'm sure this probably happened prior to my life too i mean it's in the 30s or 40s or 50s wherever you want to go but uh, if you look at when Bobby Orr came in and where that position was and then where he took it, he was a freak. Yeah. Like it was, they'd never seen anything like this. Right. Like he just destroyed records. And then unfortunately messed, messed up his knee and shortened his, his career that way. Like I'd even forgotten that he didn't play in the 72 Canada Russia series. I forgot. Yeah. Now would they've gone eight games in that one? If he was playing, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he, not. He was that much of a difference Oh, my maker. God. Then on Wayne, one of my big arguments is of the 10 differences between first and second place in scoring, he holds nine of them. So, like, so second place scoring, first place, he's like plus 70, plus uh, 68, plus 65. Like, he was that much better than the second best scorer in the league yeah. during his time. Yeah, right. So then how do you compare that to what Ovi's doing? Yeah, well, you, and then the other one for me is is Dominic Hasek. Yeah. Like, nobody, nobody stopped 93% of the shots they face. No. Like, not even close, no, 90, close to 94. Like, if you stopped 90%, everyone try, tried to stop 90%. Right. That was, you were doing your job if you stopped nine out of every 10 shots. And the idea that it was even attainable to go to 93% was, you're like, no, nobody is ever going to be able to do that. Right. And then he comes along. And what it did is... You know, four or five years later, all kinds of guys were up chasing 93% yeah. that had never done that before. 
So, I mean, it was a quantum leap to him as it was for Oren, as it was for uh, Gretzky. But during this segment of time, there, there has been no one even – well, there's been guys, I guess, that have had blips of closeness, but – He's consistently – Oh, my God. And like many guys like to state, you know where he scores from. Yep. You know what is coming, and you can't stop it. There's nothing to me that is greater about a team or an individual than – Everyone knows what they do. Everyone knows what he does, how they go about it, how he goes about it, and yet you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because we'll look at Rope and say, like when we're standing there watching him, going like, he's a big guy. And, oh, my gosh, he's a fast skater. And he's got a, a pretty good shot. He's got good hands. And that's the same thing with Ovechkin. You look, that's a pretty big, powerful man right there. And and he knows what he's doing. And that shot is just amazing. And we've all expected it to deteriorate because of age. And it doesn't look like it's going to. No. it's I, I've loved watching, loved and hated at times, <laughs> but loved watching Brett Hall score goals and shoot. Yep. I just love the sound of that. Like, if you go to a game, if you're ever at a game, get there early when Ovechkin is playing. There aren't going to be very many years left of it. And you watch him shoot in warm-up. And Patrick Laine is the same way. Yeah. And what happened to Patrick Laine? Like, that's the thing. Like, Ovechkin never really fully just went away like that. And he's another one of those guys that you'll watch him in the game and you think to yourself, he's the laziest guy out there. He doesn't do anything. But he'll just stand there in the offensive zone. He's not trying at all. And then all of a sudden he reads when things are about to happen, gets into a spot, and boom, it's in the net. Yeah. Line, a, line A seems to have that lazy gene, but it's it, a lot of times it just looks lazy yeah. to, to me with him. And with Holly, I, I, it was never lazy. And I remember him talking about having to – I asked him, why do you keep – why do you always keep your, your stick in your hands and so high? Like it was – he would carry it through the offensive zone almost at eye height and that. And all of that was just to make sure he didn't get mugged, that he could keep it free. Right. That he, that's that's how different it was. Like you don't see Ovechkin doing that now because no. nobody – you do that. Now, now you're going to be – Shorthanded or shorthanded by two men, right? And now he is going to score for sure. Yeah. So, uh, but go go watch him and watch him and warm up and just listen to him shoot the puck as opposed to other people. Yeah, it's got a different sound. There's there's a great line in the Paul Simon song, "One Trick Pony." Uh, he makes it look so easy. He makes it look so clean. He moves like God's immaculate machine. And I always thought that was Holly with that shot. And you can watch it with Ovechkin, too. There's not a whole lot of people who can do that. The Russian machine. Yeah. That was pretty good. We nailed that. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about this week? Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, how about... Uh, people, people lost their, their innards over the letters... In leadership thing, well, the Dallas Stars. I get both sides of that, and I wrote that is that the fans and the management look at things completely differently. <laughs> oh, let's hope so. <laughs> That's a, a bit of a surprise, but like that stuff matters to them, and so matters to who? The fans. Yeah, uh, like like they see that as a demotion, and so if you take the A off their boy Tyler Sagan, then you're looking for a fight. And so had they told us at the morning skate or two days beforehand when they you know, knew that this was coming, I think we could have prepared the fans a little better on Twitter. You might not uh, follow Twitter the way that I do, but a lot of fans I are don't, Mike. Um, but, you know, then you get literally two hours of pure panic until they can get a fact that says, oh, it's not a big deal. And so, of course, all, yeah, all of those like people. You're you're old every explanation of everything that the coaches and management do which is wrong eh, i get we're not that. we and i say we as as our media and our fans we're not owed everything up front we're just not if but they want to know do it, our and society and they're very good i know and they're very good about explaining it afterwards yep. with it but there's there's not really that big of a need to make have a press conference over these things uh and get them out there you you can have whisper campaigns i guess well or you're talking to the media every morning before a game and you could just say hey 
Oh, heads yeah, up on this. That's on us for not asking the right questions. I guess. Like, so we should go, now, are you going to be changing your alternate captain? <laughs> Could you imagine? It's going to be as bad as you asking <laughs> the, goal the starting tender. goalie every day. <laughs> hey, uh, starting goaltender yeah. tonight. And w- will the A's and uh, all the letters be the same? Yeah. Okay, will the lines, uh, are they going to be the way? Like, or I'll get this one. You know what is, I mean? Is he taping his stick differently? Like, we don't. We don't need we don't need that. We do we? Well, it's an entertainment uh, industry. Is, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there was a time that that teams doled out uh, a C and two A's. Yep. And that was it. Yep. Case closed. Yep. And they were known as assistant captains back then, not alternates. In the book, it says alternate captain because I've now gone back and forth. Now yeah. it does. They were known as assistant captains. You had your captain and you had two guys that assisted him. They did not alternate. Maybe that's where it started with alternation. <laughs> uh, and most of the time they were voted on by players mm-hmm. way back when. And it shifted into into uh, management, like coaches, I guess. Management. They, they. I remember when they started the whole expanded leadership group thing, and which I understood. Yep. And and it's the way. Hey, the military's run differently now than yep. it was way back when. Uh, but they expanded the leadership group. I think that's when a lot of teams brought in the. You know, we'll have different A's at home and on the road. That allows us to have four guys in right. there along with the captain. Then you had teams that just said, we're not going to have a captain at all. We're just going to have alternates. You know, so it, it really did diminish the shine of one of the greatest honors in sports to be the captain of yeah. a hockey team, be designated. Yeah, it used to be once you got the letter, you weren't getting it taken away no. either. And, but I, I, I thought they went off the rails a little bit when you'd start asking and they'd have leadership group meetings and there were like, 10 guys in there because because you go to a certain point it's like when you're when you're uh thanking people from a podium for whatever reason right if you if you just thank a couple of people and then give a broad brush explanation i can't thank everyone right you're fine but if you thank like 15 people and you miss some you miss some people that's on you well if there's one or two that are really important they just fall into the 15 now but you know what i mean like yeah. like you sit there if you're going to go if you're going to go 10 or 15 deep you better just thank every, you better not yeah. miss anyone yeah and so when they went to these large leadership groups it seemed like it was they were hopeful that a guy was going to turn into a leader and you were i guess trying to expose them to some of the leadership yeah. it was like a growth hormone pill to put them in there, and I always, I always felt maybe it's old school, but thought that that, that seems too big. That, that seems the other interesting large. thing. And again, we I base this on on my own experience. Bob Gainey brought in four, five, six former captains, and he didn't have to give them A's. Mike no, Keane didn't need an A, and Guy Carbono didn't need an A. But I don't think uh, I think that's where where it gets it gets mistaken or it's wrong right is there there's some belief that again that you're going to put an a on a guy and he's going to turn into something that he isn't or vice versa right and uh i I agree with you yeah a letter you shouldn't need any kind of letter either either have leadership capabilities or you don't yeah now i do feel sometimes for guys that come to new organizations who have been in a leadership role for a long time and they're trying to find that balance between I'm the new guy but I've seen a lot of stuff a lot of water's gone under my bridge mm-hmm. and I'd like to say some things but I don't don't know if it's my place to say it here yet they have to go through some stuff in yeah. order to get there I think so I think that's part of the good part of this yeah team. I do too I think that's why they could yeah. be better in March and April great respect for that yeah anyway I don't know uh, I don't know. We solved anything. Are we supposed to solve eight, stuff eight D men? Were we going to talk about that at all? You want to? You want to chat I don't about? Know. Totes' eyes are glazing over. He's glazing over. over. There. Totes, what do you think about the eight? Oh, we haven't asked Totes about uh, important things. He he. Yeah, he did chime in on the. Uh, he wasn't with us. What are we supposed I to know. do? What did he do? Hey, that's a good question. Digital stuff. Digital stuff. Yeah. General. He has nothing. Are you, did you need to recharge a little bit in order to re- really jump in and push to the playoffs? Exactly. I was preparing for this stretch run. 
how were you doing that? Uh, I was okay. I was actually moving this weekend. Uh, fun. Oh, so personal fun. time. Yeah, Isn't that exactly. Nice? It was. It was very busy. Isn't that great? On my Fifty end. some odd games into the season. Yeah, yeah, really well timed. Just yeah, start of February, but it was very busy for me. But all settled now. Good, ready to. If ready there's for any, the rest of the road trips. if there's any young guy in our organization organization that could multitask his way through everything and do it all at a supreme level, an elite level, it would be Jeff Totes. You know what's interesting about that? What it says about him is he wants his life in order so that he can do his job as well as he can. Mm. So he will take that little time to make sure everything's perfect. Mm. That's Jeff Totes right there. Mm. Uh, look, you you want to touch on this 8D thing? Uh, we can. Said? It is what it is. Toast wants to leave. I know. But it does it does create some real decision-making for the coach, which it always has. It, you know, I think Jim Nill did this to Lindy and, and everybody else, and it, it makes tough decisions every night uh, because at some point in time, Roman Polak or Andre Sakara or Jamie Alexiak or Steven Johns has so to far sit in the press a, box. It, it's a three-guy rotation, yeah. right? I think it'll be four. Do you think it'll be four? Yeah, I think Alexi will get, Alexiak will get one before long. So Taylor Fadoon is the eighth. Yeah, it's sad because and, I think he actually deserves to be playing. Yeah, but more. here's here's the thing: injuries at that position happen. Yep, because they're that, they're in harm's way. That is Jim Nill's philosophy from day and one. It, although it's awkward, it, it's a necessity come playoff time. Yep. Like every team's watch here. What we're three weeks away from the trade deadline? Not even. Yep. And you watch teams stock up on defensemen. Yep. Just to have a stable of them yep. because they're going to block a shot. They're going to jam a wrist. They're going to – whatever it is, that something's going to happen and you're going to need all those bodies that have proven they can play at this level. Yeah. You don't want to be grabbing guys out of the American Hockey League and hoping you can fill a hole uh, with them. So that that's a nice luxury it's, it's to, a, the to Doug have. Li- the Doug Lidster uh, uh, Band-Aid that, you know, right. you didn't need him, but if you did, you had faith that that guy could come in yeah. and play. and he did. Yeah. You know, Darian gets suspended, and you need a guy like that. Uh, you know, Brad Lukowicz, yeah. same thing, jumped in and played excellent for this franchise when it needed it the most. The it's It's a difficult thing to go an entire season with, especially if – a lot of your guys that are in or out of the lineup or being healthy scratched are young guys, yep. like in their early 20s. They need to play. Yep. Whatever league they're in, they just need to play. What is the old belief? I think Luddy had it up to 250 games in. You're not really understanding what's going on in this league until you've played 250 games right. in the NHL. And it's tough to play 250 games when you're in a suit night in and night out. And you're young and you're wondering where your career is going and your confidence erodes. And then you go back in there and you don't play the same way. You just play not to make mistakes instead of just playing the game. And you can pull veteran guys out for long stretches and then throw them back in again. Yep. And they're going to play their game. Yeah. Now, it's not perfect. They're not going to be the same guy they would if they were in there every night. It's not just that position either. It's any position. But Well, and I don't know if this was all intentional or not, but you know the, the eight-man D that Jim Nill has provided doesn't have Nemeth, uh, Alexiak, and Johns at the bottom. It has Fadoon and Sakara and Polak at the bottom. And that is a much better way of doing it. Is there a parrot in here? Or no, no, but I'm... of some sort? Or? I'm saying... Did I not just say that? You did just say that, but... Where As they, you might find in a bacon, lettuce, uh, and tomato, tomato sandwich. I was just putting names to you. Oh, okay. Theory. Thank you. Continue on. I'm kind of flustered now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You know that. I know. You know that. Uh, it, 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 it makes it's This situation's a lot better than the other one. Yes. Agreed. That's, well, that's everyone, the point. Everyone yeah. agrees with yeah. that. And so then the people who don't like AD men, this actually might be, you might start watching this saying, hey, I like this situation. Well, it, it does create a little bit of internal competition too. Right. And depending on what types of D you want in for certain teams yep. or opponents and that, it gives you flex. Yep. And I would, it's the most manageable thing to have over having too many forwards. I think that's tough. You can have an extra forward, but when you have a, a whole line you're scratching every night, that's never healthy. 
Uh, not that you can really get there easily with a 23-man roster, but 8D, uh, three goaltenders like the Rangers oh have gosh. right now is, believe me, from experience, is a frigging nightmare. Just the morning skate. Like I can for, only imagine what their practice is like. For everybody. Yeah. The, it's so imperfect for everybody involved. Because of, and it seems weird because it's a completely uh, separate stable of athletes to the rest of the team, but it just can mess everything up. Yeah, and it, there's no, there's no right or there's no right way to do it. Right. You can't have three guys. Rick Bonus is funny. Was saying he likes eight men in practice, eight D men in practice because yeah. you can run four pairs. Oh yeah, because you don't wear those guys out. No, you watch those drills sometimes, man. You only have six, man. They're going a lot. Or you have seven and you're rotating pairs, and nobody knows exactly who they're with. And the the only time three goalies would work is if the third goaltender is is just out there to be target practice yeah he's never gonna play whatever and that goes back to the days when you had a goaltender that played 60 some odd games yeah. it doesn't happen very much no. anymore or you had daryl ray coming out of the as your third. press box yeah, exactly. third. he just was <laughs> shooting target practice <laughs> that was a confidence boost mike <laughs> is what it was and they needed it back then they didn't score enough maybe i should revisit that i think you them. made brett hall's career in a lot of ways i did <laughs> not in practice though uh anyway Persist and persevere, and you will find most things that are attainable are possible. That was Lord Chesterfield said that. I like the fact that you always want to dig deeper into your mind. I know Lord Chesterfield as Lord Davenport myself. (laughs) That's a 60-year-old man joke right there. I'm all done. I'm all done with uh, the the crown. I finished it up on the road trip. I need something new. There's a lot. There was a lot of Davenport and what have you in that. And the house, there was the some, house of Davenport. And there was some upper crusty stuff. <laughs> the Duke of Windsor. We should be dukes and lords in here. Where would you be, Jester? Lord, Lord of what? <laughs> Lord of the Manor. I'd like to be the Duke of something. Uh, I've always been a follower. <laughs> I've always been uh, a foot soldier. But it would be nice. It just seems like it's a lot of responsibility. I remember the great Sergei Zubov, who was the czar of offense for this team, also known as the Duke of Dangle, the Prince of Percipients. Who was the the Sultan of Sagacity? Who was the High Priest of Headfakes? That was the High Priest of Headfakes. <laughs> that was one you threw out on the broadcast back in the day. That was Bobby Dallas. <laughs> he was the High Priest of Headfakes. Anyway, we're out of here. Uh, good chatting with you again. Yeah, it's always fun. We'll do this next week. Maybe good to see Totes. And uh, Totes, you'll be with us. I will. You, you got everything moved in? I'm set. Done with white glove? Yeah, yeah. All the dishes are packed. Did you break anything? No, I had to buy dishes. I didn't own dishes. All right. I didn't own j- dishes. Oh, I remember those days. He just said Get it. married and you get all kinds of dishes. Oh, yeah. Why don't you do that? Okay, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> See you, gang. He's a one-trick pony. One trick is all that horse can do. He does one trick only It's the principal sauce of his revenue